love that Christmas carol that we just ended with that I would really like to encourage you to really make as the theme of this Christmas season, Oh, come, let us adore him. That, that word adore, one of the meanings for that means to worship him, to come. Let's come collectively. And today, I'm not really making it as, as much of a statement as really more of an invitation that to remind ourselves that Jesus is the reason for the season. So, oh, come, let us adore him. Because until you come to the place where your, your passion and devotion is fully devoted for Christ the Lord, you're going to always find yourself on a search for significance in life. You're, you're going to find yourself looking for something in your life. And everything else outside of God in your life is always, no, without a doubt, no matter what, going to come up short. In fact, the, the truth is, is that everyone on the planet is worshiping something. Every one of us are. We're worshiping something. And, and you, even if you're not a Christian, you're a worshiper. Because worship is not music. We have a tendency to think it was just what we just did. That's what worship is. It's, it's not a, a song service in church. Worship is what you give your passion to. Worship is what you give your devotion to. And, and the question that you should be asking, is what you're worshiping satisfying you? Are you finding satisfaction in that? Because chances are, if you're not worshiping Christ in the center of your life, it's not. And most people don't know why. They don't know why there's a hole in their heart. They don't know why life just doesn't seem to add up. They don't know why they don't feel satisfied. There's just this longing unfulfilled in their heart and in their life today. And, and so what you'll constantly do is you'll go after something to try to get that to satisfy your soul. You'll try to get that to satisfy your heart. And instead of putting Jesus at the center of your life, we'll put our jobs at the center of our life. We'll put our family at the center of our life. We'll put sports, recreation, popularity at the center. And so you'll look for it in sports teams like the Dallas Cowboys and they'll disappoint you. Texas Longhorns, they'll disappoint you, right? You look for those, and you look for it in relationships. You look for it in your spouse, maybe even in your kids, trying to find satisfaction, and they'll disappoint you. And every one of us are on this search for significance to satisfy this longing in our, in our soul, and you'll never be fully satisfied until you come and worship and adore Christ the Lord. That it's, the, it's how you begin the day and it's how you walk during the day. God, I, my life is about you. God, my life is worshiping, about worshiping you. See, in the beginning, when God created you and I, he created you and I, body, soul, and spirit. And he created us in his image. And because we were created in his image, if we haven't surrendered that area of our life, our, there's a peace that God peace is always missing in our life. And just so you know, this, this doesn't happen just with people who don't know him. Even as followers of Jesus Christ, we can put other things in the center of our life and things begin to mess up. See, our, our body, soul, and spirit long to be connected to God. They do. There's something crying out on the inside of us. You sense it. By, this, by the way, this is why you're so attracted to music. Why you and I like music. Because when you hear a song from our past, it, it kind of has a tendency to move you. I mean, some of you are like me, those 80s rock songs, you hear something and it kind of moves you. And, and in this season, it's a lot of the Christmas songs move me. In fact, when I hear Bing Crosby sing, I'm dreaming of, oh, I, Christmas. I just remember being a kid. Or Nat King Cole, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. 
How many of you remember some of these old songs, those old classic songs? When you hear those songs, it moves you. And what happens is the environment begins to change around you. You sense something in your soul and in your spirit. See, we were the only part of creation that actually gives worship to God. There are other parts of creation that reflect worship or reflect the goodness of God, but they, they don't give it. You, you'll never see a group of cows standing around in a, in a circle in the pasture singing, Oh, come let us adore him by moo, 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 moo. One of them with their paw up, moo, 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 moo. You'll never see it. Nothing else in all creation but you and I give worship to God. That's why we get so much out of music, and that's why you enjoy listening into your car because you sense it. You kind of connect with it. It kind of stirs things up in you, and it, and it moves you. But here's the point. You're going to always be in pursuit of the one who gave you life in the first place. Even when we step outside of that pursuit, you'll, you're always going to be in this pursuit of that. And until you find him, nothing in your life is going to add up. Or things that did add up suddenly won't be adding up anymore. And when Jesus is in the center of your life, you'll have peace in your heart no matter what's happening on the outside. No matter if, if you don't agree with things that are happening in society, if people aren't acting correctly around you. That's why Isaiah says this in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, you, talking about God, watch as God's going to do this, you will keep him, talking about you and I, in perfect peace. That God is actually going to be the one to keep us in perfect peace, but there's a catch to it. Let's watch this part. Whose mind is stayed on you, whose gaze is focused on you, who is in the center of your life. Why? Because you trust in me. You know why we put other things in the center of our life is because we're starting to trust those things more. God, I'm going to trust my pocketbook more. I'm going to trust my spouse to make me happy or my kids to make me happy. Oh, if I just had kids, then I'd be happy. How many have had kids and recognize they don't always make you happy? See, I believe God wants to bring peace into your life today. Let me say that again. I believe God wants to bring peace into your life today. For some of you, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You love him. Man, you've already shoved all the chips in. Man, I'm all in with you, God, today. I'm not turning back. There are others that maybe you're here today or you're watching online. You don't know him. You've never surrendered. You've never come to that place of giving your life to him. Or maybe you have done that, but maybe you haven't gone all in with him. He's in your life, but he's not the center of your life. And I want you to know today that he can be. And just so you know, every one of us struggle with it, of putting other things on the center of our life where we have to make adjustments. But there are some of you who have sat some things in the center of your life, and you've just decided that's where your confidence is going to lie. And listen, today, it is not about religion. It's not about church. Man, I'm telling you, some of you have tried that, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And you're going to find sometimes it's disappointing. It's about a relationship with Jesus, a connection with Jesus. It's not about the rules and the regulations. It's about a relationship. It's about putting Jesus in your life where he belongs, in the center of your life. It's about having a heart that is the song that we just sang, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us worship him. And we worship him by putting our trust in him. It's kind of interesting that right in the middle of the Christmas story, there's a group of people that we call the wise men or the we three kings of Orient are tried to, yeah, I can't remember how that song always goes. And, and they were on a worship journey. And it's kind of interesting. And what I want to point out to you today is that they actually had a God. 
They actually had a religion, something that they were worshiping, but it wasn't working. It it wasn't bringing satisfaction to their life. And so here's what it says in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew's account of this, beginning in verse 1. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And I want you to notice the name given to them was Magi. It refers to a religious group of pagan priests. It's kind of interesting. In fact, the closest thing that we have to this today is for people who are into the zodiac, people whose lives kind of basically revolve around the constellations. They read the stars to figure out, okay, I guess today I'm supposed to be in a good mood. Or they read the stars, oh, today's just going to be a horrible day, and they decide ahead of time. And it's actually uh, witchcraft and sorcery. It's kind of interesting that these magi are into, in fact, that's actually where we get our word magic. And they came from the east, which is modern-day Iran or Iraq. Now, that'll jack with your Christmas story, won't it? I mean, it really will. And, And this next verse gives us the purpose for this trip, the purpose for this pilgrimage. And here's what it says. And they ask, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They recognized that their current religion wasn't working. Their current center, the thing that was on the throne of their life, wasn't working. So they asked, where is the one? Where's the one? We've seen his star. We've come to worship him. Watch this in verse 3. And when King Herod, who's actually the king in Jerusalem at this time, heard this, he was disturbed. He didn't want there to be any other king. And all of Jerusalem with him. Verse 4. And when he had called together all of the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And in verse 5, they tell him, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. And now they're about ready to quote from the book of Micah, one of 400 prophecies about the Messiah. And here's what he said. Go back to that verse if you could real fast. Here's what he said. Um, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now watch what Herod does. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. Watch this in verse 9. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen, now watch this, when it rose, went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, this is significant because every one of us are on a search, and sometimes the search for significance in our lives feels like a moving target. You think significance is right over there in that job. If I just get that job, I'm going to be happy. You get there and it's not there. If I just get married, then it's going to be there. No, if I just get kids, it's going to be there. If I can just make over X amount of dollars, it's going to be there. It feels like a moving target. But listen, there's only one place that the star stopped at. There's only one place where your searching is finally going to end, where it finally be over, and it stops over Jesus. It stopped over the Christ child. Listen, anytime that you try to find it anywhere else, it's going to leave you empty. It may feel nice in the moment, but it's going to leave you empty. This is the only place at Jesus where your search is truly going to end. And again, it is not about religion. 
It's not about the rules. It's not about church. We, we gather together corporately as a church because we are the body of Jesus Christ. But it is about a personal relationship that you have with Jesus. See, that's why I love what I get to do because you are only going to find satisfaction in Christ Jesus. You are. Look at, look at what, what happens in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. It says, and when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Watch this last verse, because this is interesting also. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And here's what I want us to notice from this passage today. Listen, there is always something that is competing for your worship. There's always something that's competing for your passion. It's, there's always a Herod in all of our stories that is trying to keep you and I from worshiping God. In, in fact, Satan's ultimate goal, it's not that he's just mean and nasty, he is all those things, but his ultimate goal is to keep you from worshiping God. It, even when you come to know him, he's gonna try to throw other things on the throne of, your, of our lives and he'll use good things. He, he'll use good things like family. Are, are family important? Yes, they're just not more important than God. He'll use your job. Is your job important? Yes, it's just not more important than God. He's trying to get us to place those things at the center of our lives. But again, those things will not satisfy you. It'll leave you feeling empty. It'll leave this dark hole in your life that only the light of God's being on the center of your life, being the center of your life, can shine that light in that area. But listen, while there's always a Herod trying to distract you, there is always going to be a star that is leading you to the place of contentment and fulfillment where you find satisfaction in knowing Christ. See, God sees what's happening in your life. God knows all the things going on. And, and again, for those of you that grew up that God was so mean, you think every time you set something else on the throne of your life that God's just going, well, fine, I'm out. Or throwing a fit, you know, he's not. He's saying, whoa, 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 look, you don't want that thing on the throne of your life. In fact, he will creatively pursue you like he did with the Magi, using a star to pursue astrologers. Think how creative God is pursuing them in the same way he is creatively pursuing you because God wants to get your attention. He wants you to walk in the abundant life that he actually has for you. He wants to get you to a place where you know that your life matters because you've discovered who you are in Christ. And when you enter into a relationship and not a religious duty, but a relationship, it leads you to worship him by placing him at the center of your life. And so I'd like to encourage you, if you just place, if you don't have a place of worship to, to worship with us here, to find a place of worship where you can collectively come with other people, come join us and walk out the purpose that God actually has for your life. So how do I do that, Richie? Well, let me close today with this. I think that we should do the three things that the Magi did. The first thing is they bowed. They bowed. That's just surrendering our lives completely to him. It's putting him in first and best position in our lives. Because unfortunately, what we try to do too often is we try to work God into our life rather than having him at the center of our life. It's about lordship. It's putting him in a position of lordship and living our lives with Jesus at the center and making adjustments because the adjustments are nonstop when other things try to get in the center of our life. The second thing that we see from these, these magi were they gave. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But in reality, it was really about giving themselves. 
It was about going all in with God. Not just someone who says, okay, God, I'm going to worship you just on Sunday, but I'm going all in with you. God, I am giving my life completely to you. The third thing that they did is they went back a different way. I think they went back different. Because you can't have an encounter with Jesus and not be changed. Now, you can come to church and not be changed. You, you can read the Bible and not be changed. You can pray and not be changed. But you can't help but have an encounter with Jesus and be changed. You're going to be changed because the Herods in your life are constantly saying to us, come back to me. Okay, you tried that Jesus thing, but hey, come on back. But you're going to have to make a choice to say, I'm going back a different way. I'm going to go back different. In fact, if you ever fall in love with who Jesus really is, you won't ever want to go back to the thing that didn't bring satisfaction in your life. You might feel a temptation and a pull occasionally when you're struggling through it, but you want to walk back, go back there. Because, but you can't make living for Jesus again a religious duty. You know, and, and again, we have to crucify the flesh. There are some Sunday mornings like you that I get up and I don't want to go to church, but my wife makes me since I'm preaching that Sunday. We have to crucify the flesh, but listen, we can't make it about a duty because if you discover who Jesus really is, I'm telling you, it'll change your life forever. That's why we like to say this around here, that if you give us a year, if you give us a year of your life and you get involved, you get involved by showing up consistently on Sunday mornings. When, when small groups start in January, you get plugged into a small group, you go through the growth track. If you walk that out, I guarantee you, it will change your life forever. It will, you will never be the same. But there, there, there will be changes that will be happening on the outside, but the real change will be what's taking place on the inside. And when the inside changes, the outside begins to change. But listen, that journey begins by simply doing what the Magi did. They bowed, they gave, and they went back different. They allowed themselves to be changed. You see, the star, the light of God's love is still standing over Jesus today. It's like a beacon in the night. And it's saying to every one of us today, here is the light of the world. Here's the Savior that came so that the light could shine in darkness so that you and I do not have to have any dark areas in our life today. But today, you and I, we need to come and discover the light of the world. We need to come to discover that Jesus came to be a Savior to change our lives forever. So I want to encourage you again in this Christmas season, don't just celebrate Christmas. Discover Christmas. Enjoy the significance of Christmas. Understand what Christ actually came for you and I to do in our lives today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you again today. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes.